0: Any health advice given, whether general, diet, physical or spiritual, is general only and must be verified by your doctor. If you need medical advice, please consult a doctor.
1: Please do not message or call as the following program is a rerun of a previous live show. Any announcements made during the repeat may now not be applicable.
2: Welcome to all the listeners and viewers. I welcome you to another exciting and educating edition of the Health and Fitness Show. I'm your host, Fahad Matin, for today's show, and I hope and pray that all of us are fit and healthy by the grace of Almighty Allah. Uh, we will be uh, hearing some kind of a. Uh uh, some kind uh, we will be hearing uh, well, we will be getting some kind of a snow uh, as i will uh, there are so much uh, news and hi- uh, news and hyped up about the about the weather conditions and <laughs> the emergency services on other so just be very very careful and look after yourself because yes the cold is not good sometimes um, this program is broadcasting live uh, from the studios of Inspire FM uh, today on th- Thursday, 31st of January 2019, and casting its positive vibes to all our lovely people in Luton. Uh, our positive vibes going all across Luton, like Dunstable, Harpenton, Bedford, and and uh, our airwaves reaching uh, all across uh, through, uh, well, through different parts of the world from our website, which is um, if you if somebody is listening through Inspire FM website, or you can view us live uh, from Facebook Live page. Uh, if you do not know how to go to it, just uh, go to Facebook page and search for Inspire FM Luton and click the link, and you can see us. Uh, we're also uh, you can listen back to us on Spotify, iTunes, and podcast under the Health and Fitness Show page. Um, if you're listening this show on Sunday or any other Thursday, that means it's repeat. But hey ho, today it's not because it is 31st of January 2019. Yes, um, I always start my show with a positive quote. So today's positive quote uh, um, goes something like this: We must embarrass pain and burn it as fuel for a journey of ca- a journey cancer uh, for our journey. And one of, the other, uh, uh, one of the other quote is, cancer is a word, not a sentence. Yes, I, I must say you may have understood that uh, we are talking about cancer. So without uh, any further ado, uh, I'm uh, let's uh, go to our topic, which is uh, cancer awareness. And yes, you have heard me correctly. We are talking about cancer awareness. I know some of you must be thinking, "Oh yes, cancer patients. Uh, we know about cancer. What's something new about it?" But hey ho, there are people who are suffering, and and today's show is basically uh, uh, kind of a, a a benchmarking onto the. Uh, uh, w- World Cancer Day, uh, which is happening, uh, the World Cancer Day, which is happening on Monday, fourth of February, and, and and sometimes it's always nice to know what uh, sort of uh, problems we may be facing and how can we uh, keep ourselves aware and safeguard ourselves with different uh, cancer-related issue. But uh, I'm not the one who will be talking about it all the time or throughout the way. Um, Joining me today in the studio at the moment is uh, Elizabeth Bailey uh, from Public Health Luton, but I will ask her to introduce herself and tell us about her.
3: Hello, good evening everyone. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me along. And I must apologise, my voice is a bit croaky this evening, but I'll do my best. Uh, as Fahad says, I work for Borough Council Public Health Team, where one of my responsibilities is community education and awareness around cancer. Um, but apart from that, I'm also a, a nine-year breast cancer survivor myself, so I have a personal story. And also, for most of that nine years, I've been a what's called a campaigns ambassador for the charity Cancer Research UK so um, I've been engaged in political lobbying uh, around cancer and by that I don't mean party political lobbying (laughs) but basically campaigning for changes in public policy that will aid cancer prevention, awareness, understanding and treatment. So I'm a bit of a, uh, an amateur cancer buff.
2: <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And I must say, and yes, I, I really liked it when you said I'm not politically campaigning the... because it will contradict the work you do in, in public health. Oh, yeah, it?
3: I can't. Yes, exactly. Yes.
2: But yeah, it, it's always nice to have uh, mm-hmm. you, uh, especially um, uh, as a person mm-hmm. who's, who's involved in uh, cancer from the professional point of view and as a personal point mm. of view. Um, and and definitely, we we like to know a bit more about the whole thing. And definitely, sure. we will be uh, talking about it throughout the mm-hmm. length of the show. A uh, second guest uh, will be joining us shortly. Um, our, will be uh, Claire Cobston and uh, Regita Uh, avantage from uh, Meaningful Educations um, and they are also uh, informing us about the dignity side on the cancer uh, campaign Um, also uh, shortly joining us on the phone uh, will be Dr. Anita Bolandari Mm -hmm. she's a GP and a cancer lead uh, from Luton CCG so um, let's um, uh, but definitely 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 i like to involve our listeners so listeners (music) If you have any questions or queries regarding our show tonight, please, please, please do get in touch with us. Do give us a call um, uh, on our telephone numbers, which is 01582, uh, 481822. I repeat 01582481822. Or you can send your questions via text messages or WhatsApp on 777 I repeat Now 9481822 um, it is. It is really nice to have uh, people uh, like Elizabeth among us because, um, for her, it's it's twofolded thing. She's a cancer survivor as well as a person who have uh, who knows and who preach about uh, this uh, this disease. So uh, let's start uh, by asking Elizabeth about cancer. So uh, Elizabeth, um, or shall I say, Lizzie? No, I'm Elizabeth, or Betty, if you uh, like. Betty. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, Betty, tell us, um, what is cancer?
3: It, it's essentially, it begins with with cellular level damage, genetic damage. And um, often this damage is, is fought off by your own body's immune system, but sometimes it isn't. And it establishes itself um, and, and creates sort of mutant cell formations that don't follow the usual rules of cells of mm-hmm. being born and dying but they they become immortal in a way and um, and grow in an uncontrolled way and that's why you get things like tumors and lumps mm-hmm. uh, and it's um it's dangerous because uh, certain types of uh cancer can can move, break away from their original site and travel around your body Mm -hmm. and establish themselves in other parts of the body where they can do very profound damage and in fact, uh, you know, cause severe illness or indeed death. Um, So uh, one of the things about cancer that's very interesting is that while it's spreading through your body, it continues to mutate genetically, if, if people sort of understand what that means. It's continu it's continuing to outwit your body as it travels around it. Mm-hmm. So the science of it's very fascinating, but you know, a little bit worrying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and well uh on a layman terms, uh, I have been told, and please rectify me, it's yeah, just yeah. Uh, a common, uh, I know it might be a misconception or might be a knowledge mm. given by people, is that um, uh, cancer is something which stays dormant in our body and become active once we died. is that...? Well, it, it really does seem to be the
3: case that a lot of... Um, genetic mutations are are fought off by your immune system but they can lie dormant in your body for many years and Mm -hmm. for example breast cancer you can have breast cancer and be free of it you know go through the treatment process be free free of it for maybe 20 years Mm -hmm. and as you get older and your immune system begins to fail it can come back um, many years later unfortunately um, if the tiny microscopic cells that have traveled around your body reawaken and, and they, there's no, your body's not fighting them off. So um, we all have um, this genetic damage going on, on in our bodies all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's caused by environmental factors and lifestyle factors and many other things. And. Um, and it's more a case of sometimes it gets out of control and your body can't keep it down mm-hmm. uh, and that's how cancer establishes itself and the f- it is very very fascinating science if you ever have a chance to go to a Cancer Research UK laboratory mm-hmm. please take that opportunity because it's fascinating I will,
2: I will definitely mm. I will and uh, it is something which um, um, I will definitely look into it uh, in detail wise because mm. um, as you know uh, my daytime job is Uh, with the health sector. So when I was involved in in cancer program, yes, I was Mm. being offered. But (laughs) because of my uh, availability, I did not manage to make it. But yes, definitely, I will will take that. Mm. Uh, Well, uh, let me introduce our other guest who just uh, joined in uh, today in the studio and and I'll let them introduce themselves. So hello, girls. Uh,
1: Hello. Hello. Sorry for our lateness. Sorry for sneaking in as well. No problem, <laughs> no problem.
2: Uh, so introduce yourself, please.
1: Um, I'm Ruggerta and I'm um, the di- a director at Meaningful Education. We're a mental health organisation and also one of the founders at the Bedfordshire Dignity Network.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm Claire Copleston and I'm also one of the founders at the Bedfordshire Dignity Network and a director at Meaningful Education.
2: Perfect. Good evening, girls. Good evening. Thank you so much for coming for our show tonight. and and um, And... and it is nice to have you guys because you guys are also doing a, an event on dignity tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, yes. National
0: Dignity Action Day.
2: Yes, uh, what is that? Well,
0: <laughs> National Dignity Action Day is um, a. A kind of data to represent organisations, people in the community, carers, healthcare professionals to come together um, to promote and raise awareness of how we can preserve dignity within care services, within the communities, um, and it's led by the Dignity in Care campaign, which is um, kind of run
2: by the National Dignity Council. Okay, so um, in, in cancer, how how Dignity involve in cancer care?
0: I think it comes down to about how you engage with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, um, I was just kind of listening to um, your lovely self. Elizabeth. (laughs) I know, yeah, yeah. Um, So I was listening and um, I was thinking about dignity and uh, the cancer patient experience. And I actually was a carer to my own mum Mm -hmm. who had breast cancer. Um, And I feel that, you know, it was quite important to preserve my mum's dignity because again cuz she had breast cancer you know it's it's in quite a private place as well isn't it like sure. um, and i think it's about um for her i think it was about having choices mm-hmm. um and being treated with dignity and respect and having sensitivity um when approaching you know the topic and talking about it, um, and I think it's about having choice in your own in your own care as well. So mm-hmm. it's about you know your privacy and your choices, sure. and and everything has to be kind of put into a person centred approach mm-hmm. um, in enabling the person to preserve you know the dignity of that individual as well.
3: Mm-hmm. I think one of the you go on uh, to ask about uh, in your questions to so ask about screening, yeah. mm-hmm. and one of the big barriers for people attending cancer screening is uh, embarrassment or Mm. body taboos and so this business about dignity is really, really important to get people to engage with essential services. It is.
0: And I also think as well, sometimes you can feel like your dignity is really impacted yeah. um, because, you know, you go into an unfamiliar environment mm. and, you know, we're poked and prodded and we have to have these um, x-rays and, and we're pictured. and We're asked to, you know, remove our clothing and placed in a gown. Mm. Um, and that's if the gown even does up, you know. Mm. And sometimes it's really undignified, but, you know, we know that it's for our best interest and we know that we have to you know um, go through with the the tests and the procedures Um, but sometimes it's just about you know trying to preserve somebody's dignity as best as we possibly can in those situations.
3: The fact is the three main or the three national screening programs for cancer involve intimate examinations of the breast, bowel or cervix and that's some people find that
2: very difficult to deal with. Yeah, indeed, indeed, and and, and sometimes you—it's uh, the uh, cross-gender examination—is also very uh, awkward when oh. when 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 you're a female and you uh, you've been examined by a you male. You can ask
3: for somebody of the same La- gender. L- we
2: are lucky yeah. in a sense in Luton Dunstable mm. that uh, all the uh, breast cancer ser- uh, specialists are um, a female. Uh, doctors.
3: Mm. Well, I think we've got a mixture, but you can ask for.
2: Ah, okay. You can
3: ask for, if you want a, a somebody of your own gender. You can ask for that.
2: All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's That's uh, that's definitely uh, a good thing to have. Otherwise, mm. it's it's really hard uh, when when we when we when we do all those things. Mm. Anyhow, uh, let's let's move on in in terms of uh, prevention side. I know cancer is a very dangerous uh, disease and illness Hmm. Um, uh, so is there any way we can prevent cancer that you can't you there are
3: you can't totally prevent cancer what you can do is is considerably reduce your risk because we reckon about uh, 40 percent of cancers are lifestyle related Mm -hmm. and the way to um, the best ways to avoid cancer are not to smoke that's the absolute silver bullet. I mean, it's just such a silly thing to do. (laughs) For anybody listening, we've got lots of services to help you if you smoke. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the biggest risk overall. Next up is um, obesity, being overweight. Now, people are a bit bamboozled by this. Uh, and I think often it's because they don't understand that fat is not something inert that lies in your body and does nothing. It's actually a very active chemical factory. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it has a lot of effects on your hormones. And the hormones are very influential in the growth of cancer. So that's one of the reasons. Um, over Being overweight is a risk. Um, another, another really good way of preventing cancer is to get the HPV vaccine. Um, that prevents uh, uh, several cancers including most cervical cervical cancers, um, cancers of the rectum or mouth, a number of cancers that are uh, transmitted by the HPV virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's currently available to, uh, to teenage girls. So I really would encourage people to get their teenage daughters to have it. Mm-hmm. Mine are having it. Um, you will shortly be giving it to boys as well, but at the moment you can pay to have your sons uh, vaccinated. It's about £300, which is a bit much for a lot of us, um, but you might consider it worth it for the well-being of your child. But it sh- there will be a government programme in due course. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the best advice is, is standard healthy lifestyle advice, so keeping your weight down, mm-hmm. not smoking, Uh, moderate consumption of alcohol if you drink because that's implicated in a number of cancers and uh, taking exercise because exercise um, there is a link between being physically fit and exercise in preventing things like cancer recurrence statistically Mm -hmm. well it's hard to explain all the mechanisms but it might be related to things like weight control
2: Mhm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. now i'm I, i'm i'm fascinated in terms of the weight control part because um people uh, do and i absolutely understand it 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 uh, baffles people uh, especially it baffled me on the other day when i when i read that um being overweight is now the most common reason for being uh, getting cancer. It's the
3: second most
2: common second reason. Most common smoking,
3: re- smoking, still the
2: king. It's basically. still the king. Well, wow. Yeah. Uh, it, even even uh, cigarettes are getting expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's still I'm, the most yeah. common reason. Mm. Wow. So uh, I I was completely baffled uh, when I heard about it, and yeah. I was thinking why, and then I realized, yes, when you are when you're overweight, you automatically start moving less which well, automatically more created more problems and then you slowly and gradually going towards the long term conditions health health well conditions.
3: it's more that fat, as i say fat's an active substance it's not just lying there it's doing stuff chemically and uh, for example most the majority of breast cancers that women get are what we call the estrogen positive they feed off female hormones um So you might have the genetic damage in your breast to start with, Mm -hmm. but what makes the tumour thrive and grow is a diet of oestrogen, which is the most common female reproductive hormone. Um, So fat stores oestrogen very well, and I'll tell you something else. In men, fat can can more or less convert male hormones, like testosterone, into something very similar to oestrogen. So it, it, it alters them chemically. So you've got this little factory in your body producing stuff that can do you quite a lot of damage. Um, so that's why that's one of the reasons we understand that it's important.
2: Mm-hmm. I I remember one of my uh, friend GP friend uh, Dr. Dolly Babakar mm. said that our bodies are, um, our, our bodies are made to have uh, a caveman style um, caveman type mm. diet and lifestyle and unfortunately we are not living in that environment no. we are very much moved on kind of thing and I have our body still catching up and that's why we end up having all these diseases. This is
3: true and, and statistically I didn't mention it under risks and risk for. Me, me um, statistically having your children a woman having her children later in life or having fewer children or, or none at all that statistically increases your risk of breast cancer mm-hmm. uh, which is you know as you say it's it's we're not living in the way we not we would we're not living in the way we lived uh, uh, as cave people I guess <laughs> um, so our bodies are reacting differently
2: hmm and mm-hmm. in, in your opinion, uh, Ravi and uh, Claire, what sort of a, a, a hurdles you have seen to patients or the carers in terms of cancer uh, care and dignity of those uh, who want to get the right care? Claire, um, Ravi, first to you.
1: Um, I haven't. I'll be honest. I haven't been in the care sector myself mm-hmm. for a very long time, but. Um, Maybe if 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 I'm going to talk about experiences I've had over in the mental health side of things and mm. health in general, um, there was always for me. I think it was choice a lot of the time, but that's going at least seven to eight years mm. back. Um, a lot of things have come a long way now, and a lot of things have changed. And um, I do agree on the way we live in maybe it's a bit more it's differently mm-hmm. but it also comes for me from my experience it also comes to choice maybe from your sort of background and you might prefer different things and you might need different things mm-hmm. that might not be available but as in as it stands now i'll, I'll be honest with you i haven't had that experience mm-hmm. so i don't want to speak on something <laughs> yeah.
2: that, you, i bad. don't want to give the wrong information no, to that's, that's fair enough that's fair enough uh claire
0: uh sorry can you just repeat
2: i said uh, in, in your uh, what sort of experience you have had in terms because you said your mum was mm-hmm. uh, you were you were a carer of your mom who was a breast cancer survivor mm-hmm. she was a breast cancer survivor right? yes yes so uh, in your opinion and what sort of uh, uh, hurdles you have seen in terms of the dignity for those kind of people uh, and the carers as well
0: okay so this is quite a unique an individual personal experience, um, and, I, and I'm going to share this with you. Um, one of the things I had to battle with to preserve my mum's dignity and to and to get the correct support for my mum mm-hmm. was um, it was me battling with a postcode war mm-hmm. in terms of my mum lived within Central Beds, mm-hmm. but her doctor's surgery was it was within Luton. Now. Luton GP practice was saying that it should be district nurses from central beds coming out to um, provide my mum with her care and this was changing the dressings she was going through chemotherapy she had radiotherapy um, and anyone that's gone through that treatment um, knows that it's a very harsh treatment Um, and as I said to uh, Elizabeth earlier that you know it's quite invasive treatment as well. So, you know, like my mum's um, on her chest, the skin was kind of peeling off. It was, it was kind of burning, um, and she had to have her dressings changed every day. But what it came down to is because of. Um, this postcode issue, mm-hmm. um, district nurses from Luton wouldn't come out because they were saying it was central beds. Central beds wouldn't come out because they were saying it was a um, Luton surgery that my mum's under and therefore my mum's care was quite neglected and nobody was coming out. So in the end, I actually um, was go to, I used to go to all the appointments with my mum anyway and I was like her carer through this situation and I actually took over part of the care um, in looking after her um, and changing her dressings and everything so for me I was very conscious of my relationship with my mum and I've now entered into a different role and so it was you know about sitting down and having a good conversation with my mum talking to her about what is her choices is she happy what kind of are her preferences and how do we look after her and maintain her dignity and her respect because it's quite difficult when I'm a daughter Mm. and you know I'm I'm now taking on the role of a carer Um, and my mum was like you know really happy for me to take on that role but again it is quite a difficult situation so you have to think about um, your role and getting the right care and support having choices and preferences um, and putting that into place Mm -hmm. so and and it's also about finding as much information as you possibly can
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I must say, wow, the time has passed really quickly. When I come back, we will talk more about the signs and symptoms and especially which one is the dangerous one among themselves. So stay tuned. We will be right back after these short messages.
1: You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM
2: alaikum and good evening to all our listeners and viewers. Fahad Mat and your host for today's evening, um, and I hope and pray that all of us are fit and healthy by the grace of Almighty Allah. Uh, this program uh, is broadcasting live from the studios of Inspire FM uh, today on thirty-first uh, of January two thousand and nineteen, and we are talking about cancer awareness with our guests today in the studios and they are elizabeth bailey uh claire uh and uh i I always i always messed up your name rookie that's why that's why i I always call you (laughs) really um so uh, before we went on break, we were talking about uh, personal experience in cancers. And sometimes these are the main things which uh, do jealous in, in those ways, which um, which is really hard to understand and identify. But definitely, I do like to involve our listeners uh, uh, in, in this whole discussion because listeners are our main, our main voice in many different ways. So listeners... If you have any questions or queries regarding our show tonight, please, please, please give us a call on 01582481822. I repeat, 01582481822. You can send your questions uh, uh, by, by text messages or WhatsApp on 0779481822. I repeat, 0779481822. So... Um, be, uh, before we went on break we were talking uh, to uh, Claire about her uh, experience but before I start the show let me uh, uh, let me ask our guest to give a quick round of introduction about themselves so at least uh, the listeners who just joined in uh, now after the break know who, who are the guests so starts with uh, let's start with you Elizabeth.
3: I'll do it very quickly because I did it before so I'm Elizabeth Bailey from Luton Borough Council Public Health Team where one of my specialist areas is cancer education mm-hmm. and I'm also an ambassador for the charity cancer research uk and i'm a cancer survivor
2: okay claire
0: i'm claire cobston i'm a director at meaningful education and the founder of the bedfordshire dignity network
2: and lastly but not leastly i'll
1: do it for you if i had um, my name is Rigat and I'm also a director at for Education and also one of the founders for the Bedfordshire Dignity Network. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Rigat, Rivi. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so uh, let's start with you, Rivi, because you said you do have experience in mental health. Now, one of the problems, um, and while we were on break, we were discussing this very lively, that one of the problems of um, a person who has been diagnosed with cancer is that the first time a person here that they uh, they have cancer? The first thing hit is uh, the problem they face is the mental health uh, of that particular patient because the person goes there in in depression mode and in confusion mode. And you have seen quite a lot of people suffering with those kind of people uh, in these situations. So, what's the best route to for them? What's what the best thing to do?
1: I think I personally, from my pers- uh, from my experience, I feel it's um, the acceptance of it first, um, accepting the news that's been given to you or if you've just been diagnosed with something, whether it's cancer or anything else once you're at the doctor, it's accepting that that's happened. Um, it takes a while for that to sink in and I've seen it go from, you know, from denial to depression really quickly. and. It's it's almost keeping it's almost keeping someone around you who you can speak to because every every now and then you'll probably have questions or every now and then you'll have thoughts that come to your mind where you think to yourself why am I thinking this or what am I going through and you can go through things that you don't even know you're going through until you know sometime after even a few months after and you think oh you know because I've been told this or because I've been diagnosed with this now I'm suffering from depression from it but you probably mm. won't pick up on it until afterwards.
2: Yes, once we pass the denial state of mind. Indeed, indeed. And, and uh, wow, uh, I do have a couple of questions popped on my screen, which is really nice. Okay, let's see. Uh, the first, uh, well, it's a comment. Asalaamu Alaikum, great show uh, uh, and the guest. I had cervical uh, screening uh, test at my surgery. Uh, it only take 10 minutes and the nurse, uh, and the nurse was very friendly and helpful. Thank you so much, sister, for sharing your experience. And and yes, uh, as uh, Elizabeth said earlier, that uh, these tests won't take long.
3: No, I mean, I know people are very nervous about things like um, the the cervical cervical screening test, but for most people, they aren't anything more than mildly uncomfortable at the most. And for a lot of people, they won't be particularly uncomfortable at all. And it really is worth bearing in mind that it can save your life, and if you do have a diagnosis of cervical cancer, you will obviously have to undergo a lot of intimate examinations so you're not avoiding anything you're not you need you know it's, it's it's in your interest to do the screening first off it really is
2: mm hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, it is it is very very um um Important, mm. especially because uh, sometimes um, uh, without doing those knowledge, you uh, you cannot. And uh, with cancer, especially, it's better to catch it as uh, as early as possible. Because yeah, yeah. uh, you have
3: far more treatment options. I mean, that's the whole point of diagnosing things early. It's to increase your treatment options. And uh, obviously, if the cancer is it spreads and it goes outside to, to lymph nodes and and other parts of the body then it can reach a point where you can, at best, you can manage it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once cancer has reached what we call stage four and it's spread to other parts of the body, um, to all intents and purposes, it's not curable.
2: Now, this is a common um, Mm. uh, question which most of the people have Mm. asked me uh, one way or another, uh, and that was the different stages of cancer. So how do we understand which stage of cancer is what? Well, we
3: have a system called grading and staging, um, so the grading is is about the type of cancer and really how aggressive it is and the staging is the level it's gone around your body so stage one is very local um, stage two is local but has grown a bit more so for, for example a breast cancer stage three is when it goes into your lymph nodes lymphatic system mm-hmm. so it's primed and ready to go around your body and stage four is when it has got to other parts of your body um, and when it has reached stage four obviously each of these stages that the 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 lower the stage the more opportunity uh clinicians have to 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 cure it basically Mm -hmm. once it's got to stage four uh, it's most likely that they'll be managing it um and and to be fair in some parts of the body it can be managed for a long time and a classic example is um breast cancer that spreads to the bones and breast cancer that spreads to the bones is not the same as bone cancer mm-hmm. it's still breast cancer it's in your bones that can be managed for many decades successfully and i've got friends who have lived with that for a long time mm-hmm. but if it goes to somewhere like your liver or or you your brain it can be a lot more difficult to manage. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other questions which pop up on the screen is says, As salamu alaykum, does second hand smoking increase the risk of cancer? It
3: totally does. So does third hand smoking. Second hand smoking. Uh, Possibly listeners won't remember uh, this person, but when I grew up in the 70s, he used to be an entertainer called Roy Castle. And he's a classic example of somebody who died of lung cancer from second-hand smoking because he was an entertainer in old-fashioned working men's clubs in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. It's very, very dangerous. I mean, I, I campaign, and so do we in the public health team, um, to, to limit uh, even smoking outdoors in public areas, like around the mall and around the university, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it's it's very dangerous. It is very dangerous.
2: Use a third hand. What's a third hand Third smoke? hand smoking.
3: <laughs> yeah. Cigarette smoke that it's it's not the nicotine, but it's the products of burning and they are very dangerous and that, there's lots there's about two hundred toxic chemicals in cigarette smoke. And then they they're clinging to the walls or furniture, they're still toxic. It's still nasty stuff. I think still cause you damage.
2: Not nice. People who smoke inside the car are complete no no. Well,
3: people who smoke inside the car when they're children, they're breaking the law. Sorry, I'm getting a bit cross about this. No no, please please (laughs) please please, please. Um, (laughs) pass. Uh, people in smoking side of the car on their own and with with adult uh, passengers are doing damage to themselves and their
2: passengers. So they, it's really not advised. Mm-hmm. Mm. And definitely, yes, definitely. You are although you are not smoking at that time, at that mm. particular time, but you are par- you're leaving that residue in the car. For-
3: yeah, I, I grew up in you know in Liverpool in the nineteen seventies, and used to be able to smoke on the bus, and that or in, in all kinds of public buildings, and everywhere used to have a yellow coating of nicotine all over the place. It's quite astonishing. Pe- younger people probably won't remember this, but you, you would go into a... Even somewhere like a library, and there'd be a yellow coating mm-hmm. all over
2: the walls. It, it was quite extraordinary. Yeah, well, I must say, sometimes if I go outside the mm. outside the countries, and you see some of the countries where yeah. people are smoking mm-hmm. inside the uh, airport terminals, you will say, "Whoa!" <laughs> it's
3: absolutely true. <It's> a- <laughs> But here, at the university, we have a lot of overseas students, mm-hmm. people coming from places like Pakistan and mm. West Africa, or whether... Well, not the West... I mean, Pakistan, that's a country that still has a lot of smoking, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And so students from that country come here, and they just still smoke a lot outside the building.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: They're in the habit of doing
2: it. Yeah, because that's mm. that's one of their way of socialising. Mm. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> but anyhow... Mm-hmm. Um, in, in terms of um, uh, prevention uh, so the, uh, when we when we talk about prevention we talk about recurrence as well so yeah, yeah. recurrence of uh, prevention as you uh, you Elizabeth uh, are one of the survivors and Claire you are the um, you are the carer of a survivor cool. so uh, in in both of your opinion how what are the best things to do to make sure that recurrence don't happen
3: This is a quite a difficult thing because mm. you can't guaranteed to prevent a recurrence of cancer and it's important you say this because what what is really important is people aren't blamed for their cancer Mm -hmm. because you never ever know what causes an individual cancer even if somebody has lung cancer you can't say with 100% certainty that was caused by their smoking Mm -hmm. because some aren't and that's a really important point to make. Having said that uh, we know statistically you can reduce the risk of recurrence uh, of things like breast cancer by keeping your weight down And generally, practicing good lifestyle factors. But really, if your cancer does come back, it's not Mm. the fault of you for the way you've acted. Mm -hmm. Um, All you can do is try to reduce risk.
2: Indeed, indeed.
0: I think, um, yeah, what Elizabeth says is absolutely right. But I also think, you know, it's it's about um, your lifestyle. You know, Mm -hmm. if you can look after your well-being, eating Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. monitoring your weight, attending your Appointments and your regular yeah. checkups is really important. Sure, um, and also as well, just I know this isn't a reoccurrence, but prevention. Mm. Um, as a mum, ma- like I, I myself, am a mum and I'm mm. also a daughter. Mm. Now, my mum had breast cancer. My aunt had breast cancer. Um, so that kind of rings alarm bells for me, you know, am I going to get it? Um, is it in the genes? Um, and I've got a daughter and I want to think about her as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it does kind of make you pay more attention to your own health mm-hmm. um, and you're more aware of it. Um, and I, going back to what we were talking about earlier with the um, cervical smear tests and things like that, back in my younger day... <laughs> um, I didn't pay attention enough to going for these smear tests. And it wasn't until one day I read the Jade Goody book. Yeah. And that really hit home for me, the importance of going for these tests. Um, I mean, that book is phenomenal. If you haven't read it,
3: it's a must to read. She, her experience had oh. a huge effect on the screening figures. Yeah,
0: and yeah. it really kind of boosted people it to go and checked. It hugely
3: boosted. Unfortunately, it's gone right down again. and that's yeah. We're actually having a new campaign in March, national campaign. Oh,
0: fantastic,
3: mm. yeah. Yeah,
1: mm. can can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. I don't know because there might be a lot of people who
3: um, I've
1: I've had conversations in the past about this. But it, do you is there a certain criteria that you need to meet in order to go? Is it the smear test? Yeah, to have the smear. Well, test?
3: currently, um, you can't have one under the regular screening system before you're twenty-five. Okay. Now a lot of people have a problem with this. Yeah. Um, because um, sorry, my voice is going again. Obviously, in in some. Communities. Women are sexually active. Young, women and men are sexually active mm. younger, um, and it, you can be almost a decade of exposure before you get screening. So there is a debate in the House of Commons next week, I believe, mm-hmm. about lowering the screening age. Personally, I support the lowering the screening age, but that's a personal, yeah. subjective view. Um, for those reasons, we have uh, people in our. We, you know, we have a very mixed community in Luton. For example, in the Roma community, people are often. You know, that that part of their life starts young, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it's really
2: important they have the HPV vaccine mm-hmm. and they have the screening minimum, yes, indeed, indeed. And one of the main <laughs> criteria is that you need to be a female. I'm completely, I cannot, <laughs> yes, <do> that. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons I've kept the cameras closed to oh, my yes. side because it's, it's really.
1: <laughs> can, I, can I put one more thing out yeah. there? Yeah, sure, please. Because, uh, as you, as a lot of you may know, um, shisha smoking is quite. Yeah, that is very very famous, and mm. it's something everybody probably does on a regular basis, mm. if not daily, um, as a social thing. But I don't think people understand the implications—well, not implications, but the dangers of it—as much as I wouldn't know. So that's why I'm asking: Is it is it something? Sorry for I'm doing no. kind of your job, <laughs> but I'm just thinking of it. I'm just thinking of it more of a perspective of because it's it's an everyday thing, and people use it a lot. It's daily social aspect. Where people are, you know, smoking shisha nearly every single day.
3: Yeah, I. Um, we we say you know, to having a shisha pipe is like having multiple cigarettes. Mm. I mean, t- tens of the things. Uh, so, I mean, w- w- the. Sorry, I'm not an expert on. No, it, no, it's just but like... I know that we. Um, we basically warn people against mm-hmm. um, taking mm-hmm. tobacco through shisha. We don't. We don't. Um, we do say that vaping is an awful lot safer than smoking. Mm-hmm. And we encourage people who are smoking addicts addicts to take up vaping instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wouldn't encourage anybody who is a non-smoker to take up vaping. Mm-hmm. But if you do have a nicotine addiction, vaping can be a, a great way of cutting down. Um, I would say generally about things like shishu you don't often know what's in them. Okay. And if you're exposing your lungs to any number of chemicals you know there's there's a lot of potential hazards there
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> and no you are absolutely right cuz uh, vaping the way uh, vaping has been uh, introduced and been uh, i mean uh, told about it for everyone is that it's just uh, it's a, it's a gap stop mm-hmm. for people who are, are really addicted and there are people i know still in this day and age uh, smoke uh, 20 to 30 c- uh, cigarettes a day and i yeah. absolutely understand i don't under- manage to understand why somebody managed to smoke that many cigarettes yeah. a day uh, but yeah there are people there are people still there uh, and 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 for them uh, vaping is the best option because uh, nicotine gums or nicotine patches may not able to give them the right number of satisfaction mm-hmm. uh, because they are in a habit uh, and some people say it, it reduces the uh, uh, stress levels uh, and it's not the cigarette which reduce the stress level it's it's the taking of air from the nose and mouth and and breathing it in and then releasing it out back into the air as one of the one of my ex guests mm-hmm. says that that's the main reason which release um, uh, which helps you to uh, to relax but it it is what it is and and that's what the main case is nicotine
3: is very very addictive it's very mm-hmm. it's it's sort of amongst addictive substances it's second only to heroin mm-hmm.
2: right in, in terms of uh, uh screening program uh yeah. what um What's people opinion about screening program for, for themselves and for their carers? So let me ask uh, Elizabeth from themselves' part, and let me ask Claire and, and Rivi from well, we actually, point of view. Sorry,
3: for I'm interrupting you. We did a survey in Luton last year on people's attitudes towards screening. Um, we want to do more work because we didn't feel we really crossed as much of the communities we'd like. But we did get information about what people's barriers were. And they were things like fear, embarrassment, body taboo, um, right across to daft reasons like I can't seem to get an appointment or I'm, you know, I can't get an appointment, I'm working. Um, and we know that generally the, the less. Less well-off people are less inclined to get cancer screening, which is mm-hmm. interesting. And that might be because if you're working more or you've got less time on your hands, it's more difficult to get an appointment.
2: Mm-hmm. And in terms of the carers, what, what, what do you think about it?
0: Um, barriers to being screened? Yeah. I think sometimes... Um,
2: From the board dignity part and enough.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes um, a barrier can be The impact it has on your dignity Mm -hmm. Um, and I also think sometimes it's fear. Um, I know that with my mum she had a lot of fear um, and anxiety Mm -hmm. about you know going and getting treatment and it's knowing and once you get into that cycle of treatment as well it you know what's coming Do you know what I mean? So that she got into like a cycle where she um, would get quite anxious about it. So that became quite a barrier. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to make sure there was a lot of support for her at that time. Um, But again, I think, you know, with my mum and even with myself, sometimes the barriers are how it impacts on our dignity and Mm -hmm. our privacy Um, and we're put into a very vulnerable situation and we don't always want to be in that vulnerable situation so sometimes it is about how it impacts on our dignity but it's about just kind of reflecting and knowing that these things are for your best interest and it is to you know look after your health and your well-being.
2: Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. And while we're on the topic of dignity, uh, R- Rivi, can you tell us about the event which is happening tomorrow?
1: I can. And I can give you more information on it as well. Um tomorrow it's as uh, as people would be aware, hopefully um we've it's dignity action day and that's across the whole of the uk if you go on the national dignity council there is a map and it shows every single event that's going on so if we've got listeners outside of bedfordshire there's there are, there are many, many events. Um, our event um, is called Connect With Me and it's a Dignity Networking event. Mm-hmm. It will take It's taking place in House and Regis mm-hmm. tomorrow and at our offices in um, Sandringham Drive, mm-hmm. which is the Sandringham hub. It will be on from 10 to 1 p.m. and we will have the Disability Resource Center joining us, mm-hmm. uh, Waymaker, they are the first um, innovators for the Dignity Cover. Um, home instead luton cancer research mm-hmm. action plus foundation mm-hmm. and d bailey from simply d's um she'll be promoting other things as well mm-hmm. whilst she's there hopefully we might have um ben from the um, break a stigma mm-hmm. campaign as well and a lot of people from the community
2: definitely because uh, one of these things we do need in 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 in, uh, in abundance is because uh there are multiple uh mental health issues happens because of multiple uh things in our life like uh any 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 problem whatsoever we face any health issues like cancer like any uh, any other uh, uh long-term condition diseases or any stress or mood swings and we we automatically it's a it's a very awkward uh kind of a tumble down effect which uh, one thing happens to, and uh, that follows to the next one and the next one and I, on that note I must say wow we are almost approaching towards the end of our show so before our show ends I liked uh, a positive message from uh, each of our guests today so let's start uh, with uh, you Elizabeth well the best
3: message I can give is that since the 1970s rates of cancer cure have almost doubled and that's down to Uh, research that is funded by the general public Mm So there's an immense amount of hope out there. Uh, a cancer diagnosis is not necessarily a death sentence. Take my my word for it because nine years later I 'm sitting here talking to you.
2: Wow nine <laughs> years yeah MashaAllah, mashallah. mashallah. Oh, sorry mm. <laughs> uh, it's, its it's definitely uh, a success story and mm. and these are the things which which people which give hopes to people sure. and, 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 and and rely on on the, to those screening programs and definitely uh, catch it as a, as possible sure. to to mm-hmm. get the survival rate so how early you got this diagnosed i know i'm going i
3: got diagnosed as a i was sort of a late stage two borderline stage three so it was quite a large lump and it was in uh two two or three lymph nodes mm-hmm. but that all got taken out and i feel fine
2: <laughs> perfect thank you so much elizabeth Claire,
0: um, I would say that um, if you're not a Dignity Champion I'd ask why not mm-hmm. so um, do come along um, we've got the Bedfordshire Dignity Network um, based at Sandringham tomorrow mm-hmm. um, come along find out what it what it is to be a Dignity Champion and how we can preserve people's dignity and we talk about how we can look at best practice um, within health and social care mm-hmm. so come along and find out more about how you can get involved mm-hmm. Rui? Um, I I just I just want to say that we're really fortunate to be
1: in a country or in a place where we're offered things like this. Meet tests, for example. We get letters come through the door where they say, please come and have a checkup." If you do, j- just please go and have one. Yes, and that's, definitely. That's the best thing you can mm-hmm. do for yourself. Definitely.
2: Screening program is a must-have, and, and don't ignore it. And on that note, I must say, thank you so much for all our guests who coming to our show today, and, and, and share their experience and their knowledge. And on that note, I must say, if you have missed any part of this show... Uh, uh, tonight don't worry you can still catch up on facebook page or you can go to our facebook, uh facebook inspire fm website uh, we are re- repeat will be played on sunday at 9 pm but until that time um uh, if you have any questions and queries you can always contact us in into the studios or if you have any gu- questions for our guest uh pass those questions to the studio and we can pass it to the guest until next week i'm signing off saying assalamu alaikum to all our listeners and viewers
1: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at Inspirefm Luton.